Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church today. Welcome to those who are joining online as well. Um, great that we can gather together. Good to be in God's house, isn't it? Okay, some people are glad to be in God's house. Uh, but it's really good that we can gather together, and I hope that we continue to be able to gather together. Uh, we need to keep praying into this whole situation um, and really seeking God in, in the whole thing. Do you know, I, I, I kind of sometimes think prayer is a bit of a mystery. I don't know about you. Um, sometimes you pray and God answers instantaneously. Sometimes you pray and it takes a long time. Sometimes you pray and you don't feel that God's answering prayer the way that you want to. It's, so there's a, a bit of mystery to prayer. Um, but nonetheless, we know that God is in charge of everything. He's in control. He's ultimately in control. And we know that we can trust him. So we're here to worship that God today. We're here to worship a God who's always with us, who's always in control. Nothing takes him by surprise. And that's the God that we've come to worship today. A God who loves us with a love that is indescribable. The Bible says that God is love. The very essence of his being is love. God is light. God is spirit. Let's come to worship that God today. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit enables us in our worship today. Maybe you want to stand if you're able as we pray. Father, we ask that you would come into this gathering today. Father, we confess that we need you today. We need your presence. And Father, we're praying that your presence would come and fill this house today. Father, that your presence would come and fill the living rooms of those who are joined online. Father, that you would just come and saturate us with your presence. Because, Father, we need your presence above everything else. Lord, we've prayed already uh, for this service today. But, Father, we pray again that your presence would be so keenly felt. And, Lord, we pray that as we worship you, Father, may our hearts respond to, to what you want to do in this place today. Father, may our eyes and ears be open to all that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's worship God. was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb. 
you for the reality of the words that we're singing today. Father, that there is not only just any old hope, but we have an incredible hope. It's not just any old hope, it's an accurate hope. It's a firm hope. Father, it's a hope that reaches from here into heaven. Father, that we have hope of eternal life. Father, we have hope of an eternal future. And Father, we have hope that the things, perhaps even today, which we're struggling with, Lord, that you are able to come and help us in those struggles. Father, maybe things which we have been trying to hide. Father, I just think of the words of that song there, all my failures are tried to hide. And Father, it's so easy to just get into that place where we want to hide away because we don't feel we're uh, making it. We don't feel we're good enough. But Father, you have come to say that you have forgiven us. You have made us clean. You have made us whole. You've given us a fresh start. And Father, we pray that as we worship you, we would realize that. And Father, we just confess any weakness, any sin that's in our lives today. Father, we give it over to you. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us. Father, we ask that you would strengthen us in those areas where we're weak. Father, for those who are struggling with temptations today, Lord, we just pray that you would come and that you would presence yourself in that very situation. Father, those who are struggling with a, a thought, a niggling thought that keeps coming back, and Father, I just pray that you bring knowledge into that area. Father, that you bring clarity, that you bring uh, vision, and that you bring peace into that situation. Father, where people are struggling with recurring thoughts. And Lord, we just pray for your peace to be upon every heart and every soul in this place today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Father, we just pray for Bet, Father, whatever is uh, going on in her uh, system at the moment. Father, we just pray that you would strengthen her. And Father, that you just bring healing into her. And Father, you touch her. Uh, Lord, we just pray for you with her in such a special way. Father, we just pray that you minister uh, into, into her body in Jesus' name.
or our wealth Father it's not in, in who we are at all but Father our boast is in Jesus Jesus the author and finisher of our faith the one who began it the one who will perfect it Father the one that we will see face to face one day we will stand before him face to face. And Father, everything that we hold to be of value will be as nothing compared to that immediate presence of Jesus. And Father, we just thank you that you are able to give us a glimpse of that now. Father, you're able to give us a glimpse of that presence, a glimpse of your glory. And Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to get a glimpse of your glory Father, even today as we take communion, in just a moment or two, Father, open our eyes that we would have a glimpse of your glory. Oh, Father, we confess that we need you. We need you. We can't, we can't do this in our, in our own strength. It's not about us. It's not about how good we are. But, Father, it's about how incredibly good you are. And it's the fact that you live in us. Yet not I, but Christ in me. Father, we thank you for the day where Jesus came into our hearts. And Lord, maybe there are some here today and they have never invited you into their heart. Your Holy Spirit doesn't yet live within them. Father, we pray that this would be the day where they take that decision, that step to invite you into their lives. Father, that they would become a child of God, that they would become a son of God, a daughter of God. And Father, we pray that you just move amongst us. Father, continue to move amongst us, we say in Jesus' name. Maybe you just want to kind of take your seat at the moment. I'm just going to read a few verses from uh, Luke. And uh, in Luke chapter 22, it says in verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I've eagerly desired. I wonder, have we come today eagerly desiring the presence of God? Have we come eagerly desiring Jesus? And he goes on to say, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And Jesus talked all the time about the kingdom of God. That was his prayer, and that was his instruction to us. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. If we want to know what to pray every day, and you don't know what to pray for, pray that. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus initiated something that we are still doing hundreds and hundreds of years later, taking bread, which reminds us of his broken body, taking wine, which reminds us of his blood, which was shed on a cross for us. We are an incredibly privileged people to actually understand that Jesus has died for us, to have come to the place where we've invited Jesus into our heart. We're incredibly privileged people because there's so many people who can't see this yet. And our prayer must be for the people who don't see it yet, that God would open their eyes. So let's just take uh, bread and wine. Father, we thank you for the bread which speaks of that broken body of your son, Jesus. We can't even begin to imagine what that must have been like for him. But Father, we thank you that he took that punishment of sin upon himself, that he bore our sins on that cross, that he bore our sins when... Father, he was being humiliated. Father, that he bore everything that we do that is against your will and against your law. Father, he took that upon himself that that we could be forgiven, that we could stand in your presence this morning as men and women who are clothed in his righteousness. Father, how can we begin to thank you for what you have done for us? How can we begin to use words to express our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us? But Father, in this act of taking bread and wine, Father, we express through a physical action our gratitude and recognize what Jesus has done for us. And so, Father, as we take this bread, may it be blessed to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Let's take the bread together. begin to imagine what it was like for Jesus to undergo what he went in those final days before he began to suffer in in that way physically. We knew that he was in agony as he prayed in the garden and he was so distressed that even blood was coming out of his pores And that, Father, he was led off, an innocent person, to be punished for something that he had never done. But, Father, to be punished for what we had done. Not just us, but, Father, all of humankind. He bore our punishment. Father, the just requirement of the law was that somebody should be punished for sin. And, Father, that's still the requirement of the law. But, Father, we thank you that Jesus has borne our punishment in his body and that he shed his blood. And Father, we know that by his blood, by his stripes, we are healed. 
And Father, we know that that goes beyond even physical. Father, that goes beyond into the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual. Father, you want to heal us in every way. And Father, we just pray that healing would descend upon this congregation today. Father, you know every need, you know every heart. Father, you know every body, you know every mind, you know our weaknesses we've been singing about this morning. Father, you know what makes us strong, but Father, you know the things that trip us up as well. And Father, we pray, we pray that nothing would get in the way of us pursuing a relationship with you. We thank you that Jesus has made that possible. And so, Father, as we take this wine, we remember his blood which was shed for us. Father, leading up to that cross, but also on that cross as well. Father, how can we begin to imagine what he endured for us? But Father, we thank you that it was for the joy set before him, that he endured the cross and scorned its shame. And so, Father, we take this wine as a a reminder, a symbol of the blood of Jesus which was shed for us. Let's take the wine together. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. Father, we thank you for his death. We thank you for his resurrection. And Father, we know that it's not over. It's not finished. His work is finished, but Father, ours isn't. And Father, we've not got to the end of the story yet. But the Father, Father, the end of the story, we know that is that we will live in victory. We will live with you. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in us and Father as we as we look towards Christmas time it's hard to believe that we do that but we think of that Christmas carol away in a manger where it says fit us for heaven and Father we thank you that you are shaping us that you're fitting us for an eternal future Father we thank you that it's not all about what happens in this body but Father you're going to give us a resurrection body and Father that we will walk with you and Father just such glorious newness of life And Father, we thank you for the promises that are in your word, that things that we look forward to, Lord, may we continue to look to those things and not lose hope. Father, in our difficulties and in our challenges, Father, I pray that we would not lose hope, but Father, that we'd hold on to that hope, that sure and certain hope that we have. And so, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. And Lord, we just pray your blessing, your continued presence in this place today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for leading us today. Um, I will hang off a wee second before I do this. Um, but yeah, it's great to be in God's presence today. I don't know about you. Um, there are some times where you maybe come to church and you're maybe not feeling like you're in the mood for church. But... God is ever-present. He's with us, and this is what he's asked us to do, and it's a real blessing to be together in his presence. So give me a little second while I deal with this little interruption. Everybody smile. Um, 
just a reminder that today is the day that the shoeboxes need to be returned. As you can see, there are quite a lot of shoeboxes. Uh, for those who are in the building, you'll be able to see that. If you're online, sorry, you can't. Uh, you need to come to be able to get all the privileges. Um, so it's my wee joke. Fortunately, some people found it funny. Um, but yeah, there's still time to do an online shoebox. Um, I believe that Deborah is coming on Tuesday to pick up boxes. Is that correct? Provisionally Tuesday. So even if you've not got it done and you think I've got, I've got Monday to do that, then you've still got a little bit of time. Just let let us know at appeals at whitburnpentecostal.com. Um, if you've completed the shoebox online, again let us know at appeals at whitburnpentecostal.com. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited that next week we're going to have Stephen McGuire with us. He's the associate pastor at Found Church in Larbert. So uh, a good friend. He's been a friend for many uh, years now. And uh, I'm looking forward to Stephen bringing the word of the Lord to us. Um, I, I do want to pray um, for some people who are sick. And I, I probably won't include everybody, and I apologize about that. Um, I was going to send out an email um, on Thursday night to the church because there was a pastor in Bucky in the northeast who we'd heard was in a serious way with COVID, but we found out on the the Friday morning that he'd passed away. So a real challenge for the church, a real challenge for the family there. Um, so if we could please remember to play, pray for Irene uh, Copard and, and her family in the church there up in Bucky. Um, and we got good news about Mark. Uh, just last night, we received a message uh, which was encouraging news about Mark uh, to say that he is basically a miracle. Um, and I'll tell you what was incredible. Um, so there was the, the written part of the message, and then underneath that was uh, a, a, an audio recording. And I thought, I wonder what that is, and I pressed it. And it was a message from Mark. And uh, I'll, I'll send that out via email so you can hear it. Just thanking people for, for praying for them. And I just think it's incredible, you know. But as I said at the start, there's, there's a mystery to all this. You kind of think, why, why do some of these things happen? Why, why does God heal one person and not another? Do you know, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm standing here today saying I don't know the answer to that question. And I've certainly asked it often enough. I've been asking that question for decades now. I don't understand. There's a mystery involved in these things. But God knows everything. God knows what he's doing. And we need to just trust him. And we need to continue to trust him. So let's just pray for a minute as we come to uh, prepare ourselves for God's word as well. Father, we, we thank you for the access we have into your very throne room through prayer. And Lord, we, we come today to remember the church in Bucky. And Father, we remember Irene. And Lord, we don't understand why these things happen. But Father, we thank you and we know that he is with you. John is with you and we thank you that we have that hope. And so Father, we just pray for that family. We pray for that church, Lord. We pray for your presence to just surround them, to envelop them. And Father, your peace to enter their hearts. Lord, we thank you for the encouraging news about Mark. Lord, we, we still pray that we will see him uh, standing on this platform and sharing about you. And uh, Lord, we just thank you for the encouraging news that we've had. We thank you that he's, he's had the strength to record a message to send out to those who are praying for him. And Lord, we just pray blessing on them and that family, on him and that family. 
And uh, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing there. And we, we pray that you bring complete healing into his body. Father, where there are parts of his body that are not functioning properly just now, Father, we pray that you just restore that function. And Lord, we remember Jeff, who's in hospital at the moment. And Lord, we just pray for him and for Eileen. Lord, he needs a miracle. He needs a touch in his body. And so, Father, we pray for that touch to come upon him. And for Bobby Edmondson, Father, we pray for him and Anne as well. And Lord, we just pray for complete healing and wholeness for Bobby. Lord, you know all that's going on. And Father, we just ask that your hand would be upon him. Lord, for others who are facing challenges today, Lord, you know every heart, you know every challenge. And Father, we pray that you will just come and minister your peace into every heart, into every soul. Father, we ask that you would open, open our eyes to see more of you. Lord, we pray for Heather, who needs a touch in her body from you. Father, that's been almost two years now she's been going through these incredible trials. And Lord, we thank you for her spirit. But Lord, we, we just pray for a miracle for Heather. Lord, we pray that you come and that you do a suddenly uh, for Heather. Father, that, that you would just bring healing and wholeness suddenly into her body. And Father, we pray for Joanna's sister, Margaret. Father, we thank you that Ron and Joanna have been able to fly back to the UK. And uh, Lord, we just pray for our sister, Margaret. And Lord, we continue to pray for a miracle. Lord, that you just release healing into her body. And Father, that you just restore her fully. Body, soul, and spirit. Father, just restore her. And Lord, we just pray for that family, that your blessing would be upon them and that your presence would be with them. And Lord, for everyone who's here, Lord, you know every heart, you know every need in this place. And Lord, we pray that you just touch people where they're at, even in their seats today. Father, that you just breathe healing into every heart, into every soul. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay. So we're going to look in Second uh, Kings chapter 6, if you want to look that up. We're going to go in there. And the title of the message today is Prophecy, Prayer, and Position, as is up on the screen. And if I had to sum up today's message in a sentence, it would be this. We need to see what God sees, then we need to pray about it, and then we need to position ourselves so that God can work through us to see it come to pass. Amen. Let's all go home for lunch. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But if I had to sum it up in a sentence, that would be it. We need to see what God sees, and God is able to show us what is unseen. We need to pray about that so that what is unseen becomes a reality, but we also need to position ourselves so that we're in a place to do the will of God, to do the things that God asks us to do. I said, I referred to the Lord's Prayer a second ago, but part of it is your will be done, but God does His will through us. God is well able to work on his own, but he loves it when we work with him, when we are willing to surrender ourselves to him so that he can work through us. And I want to encourage us along that line today. Um, I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. Does anybody know what this is? Any of the boys and girls know what this is? Anybody? Anybody? The Chronicles of Narnia. It's actually from the film Prince Caspian or the book. Is that, yeah, Prince Caspian. Um, and it's a picture of Aslan. And when Aslan roars, things happen. 
And I want to encourage the boys and girls, if you've never read the Chronicles of Narnia, read the Chronicles of Narnia. If you've not read it or watched the films, the films are absolutely fantastic as well. I wish they would make a film for every book, but they've not done that yet. But there's something, there's something about that story that I just find phenomenal. And in the stories, this character called Aslan, the lion that's pictured here, represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a verse from Amos which I wanted to put up on the screen because I feel it's relevant uh, to what I'm saying today and it's relevant to the church. Surely the Lord God does nothing without revealing it, uh, revealing his secrets to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? I just think that's an incredible passage of scripture written by Amos a prophet, a person who heard from God, a person who was able to see what was unseen and began to speak those things out and began to pray into those things so that those things became a reality. So kids, watch the Chronicles of Narnia. They're amazing. Read the books. But today I want to talk a little bit from Second Kings about a man called Elisha, a man who saw, a man who prayed, and a man who positioned himself. Elisha had been Elijah's apprentice, not the sorcerer's apprentice to mention another film, but that's another story. But Elijah had, Elisha had been Elijah's apprentice. If I get these two names mixed up today, please bear with me, okay? Elijah, Elisha. So we're on Elisha. This is the second one, okay? And he had seen many miracles. He'd seen the dead come back to life. He'd seen miraculous provision of food. He'd even prayed that an axe head which had sunken into the river would come back up to the surface, and an axe head floated. That's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I see in Elisha a man operating an, a gift of the Spirit called the Word of Knowledge. Elisha was able to say things about things which are unseen, and they were incredible consequences, good consequences for Israel. Do you know what the kids used to call Elijah? The kids used to call him Baldy. <laughs> so it gives us a little picture into who Elisha was. The kids used to call him Baldy until one day Elisha called down a curse upon them and two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. Could you imagine that in the church, Elsie, the safeguarding officer we were like, you can't do that. You can't do that in church. And the background to this story that I'm going to talk about today, we find in First Kings. Uh, sorry, I think it's Second Kings. I've written First Kings, Second uh, Kings chapter six. And uh, there's a king who comes to attack Israel time and time again. He's wanting to attack, and he sends out these raiding parties. But his plans kept getting foiled because the king of Israel always seemed to be one step ahead of them. And the king of Aram realized that he had a spy in the camp. There was a mole. Have you ever watched those films where it's like there's a mole, there's a secret agent who's gone rogue? And that's what it seemed to be was happening here. And he asked his men, who, who's the traitor? Who's the person who keeps giving away our secrets? Because every time they went to do something, the king of Israel already knew about it. And this is what it says. They replied to the king, it's not us, my lord, the king. Uh, one of the officers uh, replied, sorry, Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak 
in the privacy of your bedroom. Incredible. Would you like to have that kind of knowledge? I don't think I would. <laughs> but God was given Elisha understanding about what was happening so that he could warn the king of Israel and the king be protected. This is the word of knowledge and operation in the Old Testament. We don't often see things like that, or maybe we don't think about it. And it was so bad that the king of Aram sent a raiding party in to capture Elisha. And they arrived by night, and they arrived stealthily. And I want to read just a little bit of scripture from Second Kings chapter 6 that talks about this. So they arrive, they surround the city with horses and chariots, and the daylight comes, the servant of the man of God, Elisha, wakes up, and this is what it says. When the attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. His servant said, alas, master, what shall we do? He replied, do not be afraid. There's a good word. Do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So that the Lord opened his, the, the eyes of the servant, and he saw and the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Armenians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, please, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked and Elisha said to them, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were in Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he answered, no. Did you capture with your sword and your bow those whom you want to kill? Instead, this is what happens. Listen, set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and let them go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And after they ate and drank, he sent them on their way and they went to their master. And their means no longer came raiding into the land of Israel. What an incredible passage of Scripture. One that I'm sure you've heard people speak about often. Elijah, Elisha, sorry, being surrounded by these chariots of fire. And I wonder, I wonder what we do when life starts to go a bit pear-shaped, when life starts to go wrong. What do we do? Most of the time we begin to worry. Most of the time we, begin, we, we begin to become fearful. And the, the, the first thing that Elisha says to his servant is, do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. And I think very often we look at the situation, we look at the circumstances, and we don't see what we should be seeing. We don't see God in the situation. Elisha was surrounded by heaven's armies. Where had they been before? They'd been up heaven's sleeves. Okay, sorry, that was an attempt at humor. You do look like you're needing a bit of revived, okay? Sorry. Um, but Elisha said to his servant, do not be afraid. You knew that was one of your jokes, didn't you? <laughs> I've learned from the best, or is it the worst? I don't know. <laughs> 
We need to be able to see what God sees. And that's the first point that I want to make. Prophecy is about us being able to see what God sees. The church must see the unseen. If we simply focus on the circumstances and the things that surround us, we will become terrified, like Elisha's servant was terrified. We need to begin to see things with heaven's eyes. And God reveals things to us through the prophetic ministry. God reveals things through the gifts of the Spirit in so many different ways. God speaks to us. God is a God who speaks, and we are a people who need to be hungry to listen and hear what God wants to say. But the unseen can only be revealed to us by God. Elisha already saw heaven's armies. No, sorry, they weren't up there. He just needed his fearful servant to see it as well. And I was thinking about this. Are we sons of God, daughters of God, or are we servants? Are we sons or servants? Excuse me for using gender-exclusive language, okay? Are we sons or servants? And it was something that I heard uh, which John Wesley had said in a sermon entitled Discoveries in Faith. And this is what he said. Exhort him to press on by all possible means till he passes from faith to faith. From the faith of a servant to the faith of a son. From the spirit of bondage to fear to the spirit of childlike love. He will then have Christ revealed in his heart, enabling him to testify the life that I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith of a son. We can be so busy serving God that we miss the point of being a child of God. We can be so busy wanting to do the work of God that we miss out on what God wants most and that's us to have a relationship with God an intimate relationship. And it's in that intimate relationship that we begin to see the things that God sees. We begin to see the unseen. And we go on to read in this passage that Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant and he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can you hear the tune? Can you, can you hear the tune? Chariots of Fire. What an incredible film. It's such an incredible film. Watch it. God was gracious and God gave Elisha's servant the ability to see. He gave him a glimpse of heaven's armies that were surrounding the situation that they were facing. And I want to encourage us to, rem- to, to remember that prophecy and vision go hand in hand. Over the last couple of weeks, if you've been here, I've been beginning to share vision for the church. And that vision is rooted in what I believe God has said about this church through the prophetic ministry over sometimes decades, actually. God has spoken into the life of this church, and he has a plan and a purpose for this church. And prophecy and vision go hand in hand. And when God shows us things, we need to understand this. God shows us things through prophecy through the office of the prophet, through a message uh, of prophecy. And it's then that we need to rise to pray and get to our positions. 
The second thing that I want to say today, the second point I want to make is that the church must rise to its knees. The church must rise to its knees. You're probably thinking I've gone a wee bit cuckoo. How can you rise to your knees? Well, it depends where you are to start with. Notice this. Elisha prayed. And then it'll say again, and Elisha prayed, and Elisha prayed, and Elisha prayed. And I'm saying that prayer's a mystery, and I don't understand it, and there are some questions that I have, and I still have, and there are questions I've had about situations that I've saw, faced in our own lives, in the life of the church, and I, I still have questions because I don't understand, but God is an all-powerful God, and I don't always understand His ways. But I know one thing, that when I begin to pray and listen to what He's trying to tell me, and I begin to see what He sees, and I start to pray into that, things start to change. God calls us into prayer to work in partnership with Him. What does it say? When the Armenians came down against Him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, please, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. He prayed. He saw what God was seeing. He saw heaven's armies. He saw what God was going to do, and he prayed. Now, I said the church must rise to its knees. I want you to listen to something. I listened to an interview with our national leader, Glenn Barrett, and a, a guy called J. John. And as I listened to this interview, I was amazed by J. John's insight. If you've heard of J. John, I don't know. He's an evangelist, UK, um, in the UK, and he's an incredible guy. But th this is what he said. Listen, listen to this. I personally do believe uh, the fields are ripe for harvest. When Jesus said, pray for more laborers, we don't need to pray for more laborers. Not today. We've got 1.2 billion laborers. Wow. It's just, that, it's just that they're all sleeping. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've got the laborers. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and the fields are ripe for harvest. Incredible, eh? What an insight. I've prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. And then here's somebody saying, we've already got 1.2 billion laborers. 1.2 billion Christians in the world. It's just that they're all sleeping. And some people in here today are sleeping. Jacqueline's not. 1.2 billion laborers, and God wants us to see what he sees, and he wants us to pray into the things that he's doing, and he wants us to be positioned so that we can be the people who are the laborers who go out into the harvest field? And the message must surely be to the church, wake up, wake up church, wake up. There's a world outside our window, as I talked about last week, and it's a world of dread and fear, where the only water flowing is the bitter stream of tears. We need to wake up church. We need to wake up that some people are facing an eternity without God. God is spirit. God is light. God is love. An eternity without God. God who is spirit, who is everywhere at all points in time. 
a God who interacts with us, who speaks to us, who engages with us through His Spirit. Imagine a place where God's Spirit doesn't exist. God is good. Anything that's good that happens in our world is because God is behind it. Even people who don't believe in God, and I've said this to people before, it's like, surely, surely you don't need to be a Christian to do good. You know what I'm saying? But you're designed in the image of God. You're designed to do good. So when you do that, you're being like God. When you're not doing good, you're not being like God. Imagine a world without the Spirit of God. God is light. Imagine a place where there is no light. For those who are joined online, if we switched out the lights right now, you wouldn't be able to see anything because the camera needs light. We need light. Imagine a world where the sun didn't come up the next morning and then the next morning and then you lost track in mornings because there was no sun. And how long would we last? Not very long because we need light, but we need the light of God as well. God is love. Imagine a world without love. Even our human love and its failure sometime and its frailty sometime, we need love. Imagine a place without love. A place where there is selfishness, hatred, jealousy, bitterness, anger, rage. Imagine a place where there is no love. Imagine a place where people face an eternity without God. God's Spirit, the light of God, and the love of God. And we're in a privileged position that we know, we know these things, but there are people who don't know these things, people who have never made a decision to follow Jesus, who at this point in time are blind to the truth. I want to show another little video because I, I really love these films, The Chronicles of Narnia, and this is a scene from one of those, that same film. Wake up. And you need to have read the books or watched the movies to understand the significance because it's a world where everything's alive and even the trees can move. And Lucy's saying to the tree, wake up, wake up, wake up. The church needs to wake up. We, as God's servants, need to wake up. We need to rise from where we are and get onto our knees. Why? Because there's a world that needs Jesus. We need to pray for the prodigals, people who have known what it's like to be in church. We need to pray for the people who are lost that they would be found. And this is one of the prayer points from a prayer meeting I was at on Thursday morning. And this, this blew me away. If you've been at the prayer meetings on a Wednesday night, you'll know the things we've been praying for. And this person says, pray that we will come, uh, become more than prayers, but interceders who contend with God for breakthrough. I saw that coming up on the screen and I thought, I was just talking about in church last week how it's not just us that are seeing these things and want to pray these things, 
There are churches all across this area in the central belt who are praying the same things that we're beginning to pray. We need to see what God sees, and we need to begin to rise to our knees and pray into the things that God is showing us so that they become a reality. Last thing I want to mention is that we need to position ourselves. The church must go to the lost and the blind. We can't just pray. There is a point where we rise from our knees and we go into all the world. That's what Jesus said. Go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing people, teaching them to believe all that uh, I've told you. We need to go from the place of prayer into the world. We need to hear what God says. And for some who are sleeping, we need to rise to our knees. And once we begin to engage with God in that place, we need to rise from our knees and we need to go to a world, a world that needs God. Let me read as I try and draw things to a close through the rest of this story. Elisha went out. He didn't just stay where he was. He went out to meet those who were coming to capture him, his enemies. Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. Little did they know that they were being tricked and he led them to Samaria. They were lost and they were blind. And Elisha took command of the situation, leading the blind into the heart of enemy territory, for them enemy territory. I I think for some people to come into a church would be a massive, massive challenge, a massive, massive shift. If you're here today or if you're online, it's probably not a challenge for you, but there are some people for whom it will be a massive challenge. And as soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw that they were inside Samaria. The enemy was in the wrong place at the right time. But notice something. Rather than judgment, they received mercy. Think about that. Rather than judgment, they received mercy. This is what it says. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And he answered, No. Did you capture with your sword and your bow those whom you want to kill? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and let them go to the master. We need to bring the lost into a place where they can find Jesus. Not to judge people, but so that they can find mercy. I'm looking out at a congregation today. Who in the congregation here can put up their hands and say, I've never sinned, I've never done anything wrong? Anybody? Going once, going twice. And we hear people quoting, I hear people quoting, like he who is without sin cast the first stone. The only person qualified to say that was Jesus, who was sinless. The only person qualified to say that. And so the mercy that we're looking for from God, other people need the same mercy. Do you get what I'm saying? 
It's so easy to condemn other people and say, you need to get this right and that right and that right and that right. And there's a big long list of things that we need to get right. And we go, how can I do that? How do I do that? People need to come to a God and recognize that I have got this weakness I've got all this stuff, I've got sin in my life, but I'm coming to a God who is able to forgive, a God who's able to get us on our feet and give us a fresh start in Him, to receive mercy and not judgment. And it's a real challenge for the church, I think, especially in this day and age, where we feel that we are being judged all the time. Society isn't kind to the church these days. And I'm sure you've heard so many things for yourself. And we feel that we're being judged, but we need to bring people to a place where they can find mercy, where they can find the grace of God for themselves. In this story, and it really struck me that Elisha could have said to the king, just wipe them out. They were coming after me. They were going to kill me. Just wipe them out. What kind of attitude would that be? Do you think that would be the right attitude for the church? Just wipe out our enemies. Wipe out just, it just doesn't bear thinking about because we need to bring people to a place where they can find God. The reality is that people who have already rejected God are already under God's judgment. It might not be transparent to them yet, but they're already under God's judgment. And there'll come a day where we will stand before the creator of the universe and we will give an account for our lives. Every one of us will stand before God and we will want mercy. I stand before God, and I come to God, and I say, I've messed up. I need your grace. I need mercy. I need forgiveness. I need cleaned up and set on the right track again. Let's never forget that when people reject God, they're already under judgment. We need to try and bring them to a place where they can see God. And as we live out, and as we share, and as we preach the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, who brings conviction, will help people to turn around and be transformed there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. A massive difference. When people condemn you, all it does is push you down. Down and down and down and down until you think, I, I'm never going to get back up from this. People heap condemnation on us. You're not good enough. You're this, you're that. Sometimes we heap condemnation on ourselves. Conviction's different. Conviction is very specific. And when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us, it leads us to God so that we can agree with God's assessment of our lives, that's called confession, and we can repent of our sin, that's turning around and doing things differently. The, de the problem is that people can't see it, and this is what Paul said to the Corinthians, and even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, the devil, the enemy, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People are blind. They need to see. I mentioned that hymn last week, Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. And people need to come to that place where they see. Maybe there are people listening to this message either in the room or online today or later on a recording. And maybe you're not a Christian. And I want you to think about what I've just read there. There are spiritual forces that want to keep you blind. Are you going to allow that in your life? Are you going to allow that? 
when God wants to help you to be able to see. As I finish off today, and time's marching on, we need to be so aware that the church must see the unseen. We must rise to our knees and we must go to the lost and blind. I'm trying to get us to understand that there's an importance to the prophetic voice in the church and the church needs the prophetic voice because that's where we begin to see, that's where we begin to understand what God sees so that we can then rise to our knees and we can begin to pray into those things that God has shown us and we, we, we can begin to position ourselves so that we're in a place to go to the lost, to the blind, to the needy, to the outcast. There are so many people who need to hear this message of hope. I also want to finish off by saying you don't need to wait until the church puts on an event. It's not about an event. The stuff I'm talking about just now is not an event. Evangelism can be done through events. But there's a process going on in people and I'm encouraging us to get involved with that process and to be able to help people to see a God who loves them, a God who has grace, a God who has mercy. And I want to challenge you again. I'm going to use the same picture as I did last week. Are you prepared to jump in? Are you prepared to jump in? Are you prepared to jump into what God wants for your life, for this church, for our community? Are you prepared to jump in? Let's just finish by praying today. Father, we know that this is a challenge because the enemy, the devil, wants to come against the church. But Father, we thank you that Jesus made this declaration that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Father, that he is building his church day by day, bit by bit, and we are part of that building. We are part of that temple, that body which he is building. And Father, we just thank you that you have opened up our eyes that we can see these things. Father, we thank you that you're speaking into the church through the prophetic gift and you have done over many years in this church. And Father, we pray, help us to hear what you're saying and to put it into practice. Lord, help us to position ourselves in prayer so that we begin to pray into those things and we see them become a reality. Father, help us to get before other people with this incredible message of hope and love. And Lord, we pray that you'd give us wisdom to know how to communicate this message. Father, help us to realize that it's not just about an event, although events are good. Father, help us to be salt and light, to be light into people's darkness, to bring something that's different to what the world has to offer. Father, all this world has to offer just now is fear. But Father, we can offer hope because you are our God. And so Father, we pray, continue to lead us in all these things. Lord, as we go into a week, Lord, there are many challenges that face us, things that we're involved in. Some have health challenges, some emotional and psychological mental challenges, some spiritual challenges perhaps as well, Father. Lord, we pray that you come and meet us at our point of need and that, Father, you would cause us to see what you want us to see. 
Cause us to pray. Give us a desire to pray. And give us a desire to go as well, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. And I hope you have a great week. If you want to chat about anything, uh, feel free to just give me a shout. You know where I am. Or if you need prayer today, just come and uh, see me and I'll pray. Thank you. Bye.